It's fall, which means this is the time of year when legions of college admissions counselors traverse the globe to find those eager minds to fill their seats in their classrooms. It is a whole life that thousands of people in this economy lead, and in my case have led, and one that is imbued with a huge sense of responsibility. Some might say too much so, manufactured by fears people have about the value of college and the seemingly critical role the right college and therefore the right college admissions officer must play in a child's life trajectory. Well, not long ago, a media representation with actual famous people came out and showed the world what it's really like in admissions. Or does it? As my guest today, former admissions counselor and current high school college counselor Sam Schreiber and I discuss. Welcome to The Crush. Welcome, friends. I'm Davin Sweeney, a former AO at the University of Rochester and current college counselor at CollegeWise, and this is my podcast. Subscribe to it, rate it, share it around, because this is where I talk to interesting, experienced, and entertaining folk like my guest Sam today about a lot of different things, including setting the record straight about how college admissions works. And uh, this movie we discussed today, Admission, starring Tina Fey and Paul Rudd, is uh, sadly the best thing we've got when it comes to a popular representation of the craft on screen. There have been others, though not many. Uh, some of my favorite representations include the admissions guy from USC who visits Ricky's house in Boys in the Hood, and uh, of course the Princeton guy who shows up at Tom Cruise's house in Risky Business. Well, Joe... Your stats are very respectable. You've done some solid work here. But it's not quite Ivy League now, is it? You know, Bill, there's one thing I've learned in all my years. Sometimes you gotta say, what the fuck? Make your move. I beg your pardon? So, how we doing? Looks like University of Illinois. Home visits, in both cases. That's, uh, I'll just say right now, uh, not normal. Kids, parents do not expect a knock on your door from a college admissions counselor, I don't think. At any rate, uh, I think representation matters, and so does my guest. It's a really, really opaque and frustratingly mystery-shrouded process for the majority of families. And while this film doesn't make any claims to accuracy, uh, it remains pretty accurate in many respects and comically inaccurate in others. Of course, I had to go to Hollywood for the first Crush film review, so let's wander around this weirdo rom-com with my guest today, Sam Schreiber, college counselor at Milken Community School in Los Angeles, California. Hello. Hello. Hey, let me remove my camera cover. Oh my God, are you at work? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's Monday. I guess so. <laughs> It's Monday in the middle of the day. I'm at work, too. Where are you? I'm at work. Where do you work? I'm at Milken Community Schools in Los Angeles, California. We are across from the Skirball Museum right off the 405. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> in my own, apropos of the conversation, years as a college admissions counselor, I did visit the Milken Community School on behalf of the University of Rochester back in the day. Um, before I was uh, regionally based, I did have the pleasure of being able to go out to Southern California um, to visit the school. But before that, you were a college admissions counselor at no less than the University of Southern California, Fidon. Correct. And Pomona College. And chirp, chirp. That's, is that a? That's the thing. Yeah. Chirp, chirp the sage hens. No. Uh, they chirp. Um Named after the sage grouse, which is a real animal. Those things don't chirp. They d chirp. They do a really weird thing. Don't. Yeah, I think they turn around and bury their heads in the ground. It's kind of like a bellow, like a deep guttural thing when they're like oh, on display yeah. as sage grouses. I'll find an audio clip and I'll insert it right here. I can't wait for that. So that everyone can hear what it sounds like. Um, yeah, yeah. 
so I was there and then switched sides of the desk. This is my second year on the high school side. So how, when you were uh, an admissions counselor, what was your travel territory? I started off with Houston, Austin, and San Antonio, Texas, and the central coast of California. Lovely. And then I had that for, I think, three years, and then switched to Washington State for two at USC, and then at Pomona, I started in the middle of the season and kind of wrapped up the Southeast for someone and then got Washington and Oregon. And uh, Oregon, hey, that's where I'm from. Uh, me too. <laughs> I was born in Portland and my parents, my mom went to Oregon State, my dad went to Reed and Lewis oh, and Clark and they met in Portland. Did I know that? Probably not. It's a little known fact about me. Okay. Uh, you don't wear it on I, your sleeve. I don't. I mean, I'm proud of it. I love Oregon. I grew up going back there all the time. But it's People look at something. me and they go, you're probably from Portland, aren't you? And it's because I have a beard or something, you know, and I'm very yeah, pale and I look like I don't belong in the sunshine. Yeah, I've definitely leaned into wearing Patagonia and Birkenstocks with socks. So so people yeah, could, I mean, yeah. I mean, West Coast Oregon. in general, I think, is the read, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, but I also traveled to, I did a week in... Oh, I also had China while I was at Pomona. Mm. Forgot about that. Uh, but I also did a week in Chicago and a week in Toronto and kind of covered for people. So Right. You kind of run around all over the place. Yeah, it was fun. Southwest and I were good friends. How were the uh, how how was in your offices, how was the establishment of travel territory done? Like how were these places sort of meted out? Uh, when I started it was just the person's job that I took. Like that was the territory that was open. And so that was the territory that I got. And then I stuck with it. And then after I'd built some cachet for myself, when the Washington person left was like, I would love to switch it up and, and get the West coast. Um, and luckily that worked out, but I think they want to maintain consistency just because it helps people learn and it makes the high school people happy. Um, and you actually get to like learn a territory, but it also is like, they're going to throw you a bone if you've been going to a territory that's maybe less desirable for a long time and balance that out. You're not going to name any less desirable territories, are you? I was about to. And then I was like, I have no idea who your audience is. And I never want to, I never want to despair it. Just like I would never disparage another institution. I would never disparage a territory. Except UCLA, right? Uh, I actually did a grad school internship at UCLA. Oh, so like, all right. I get, well, I'll disparage I know. it. Yeah. Who needs it? Um, and how many school counselors did you make out with during your travel season? <laughs> uh, only Paul Rudd. Oh, well, I guess, right. I mean, that's sort of like a universal, I feel like it crosses, you know, everybody's sort of like bucket list. Like if Paul Rudd's available, like you get a hall pass, You're right? you going to do it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that was definitely the highlight of my admissions career and then yeah. you had to leave an ignominy and and take a job at a school at a, at a secondary yes. school right i was shamed out of uh out of that side of the desk and now i'm just waiting for paul rudd to walk into my office it's only a matter of time um i mean yeah. you're in los angeles so i'm sure you drive by his place as often as you can I do. Kind of wave, yeah, I'm also scouting other celebrities with like high school age kids of like, do they need my assistance? Okay. Anybody yeah. anybody on the list that, that I know? Uh no. No, no I also I, I mean I'm also engaged celebrities. now. So oh, it's okay. Like really killing that game. All right. Yeah. Well, we can all dream. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we are here today at your recommendation, which I thought was fantastic, to talk about the timeless film admission starring tina fey and your uh former fling paul rudd yeah yeah um it's it's timeless in in many ways prob but in the, and it's also quite dated in others but uh uh released only only in 2013 it's based on a 2009 novel um of the same name and i think really i'm interested in this because there aren't very many representations of this world out there in film and TV. And I will just go out on a limb and say not very many good ones, if any good ones. This one, for instance, uh, 39% on 
on Rotten Tomatoes and only 32% audience score, which I feel like they usually tend to be a little bit more generous than the critics. Um, yeah. It made $18 million on a production budget of $13 million, which is not great. Um, At least it was a profit. Okay. Right. I mean, they made some of their money back. They were able to pay, you know, Princeton for the rights to use the name Princeton or whatever. Um, I'm not sure quite how that, how that worked. But, um, I was say, do you think they had to pay to use Princeton? Well, I don't know what the fair use laws are. I mean, obviously, I've flouted them multiple times in the course of my own podcast by, you know, including entire songs that I'm sure I should probably pay to use. I'm just waiting for the phone to ring. And I may, (laughs) you know, even include a couple of audio clips here just to continue to tempt fate. Um, Yes. But yeah, no, I have no idea. I'm certainly not an attorney, let alone one that would know about those kinds of things. So I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, But then I feel like the as far as what the options that are out there, you know, you've got you know what like what are the other what are the other admissions themed media out there that you can even think of i mean there's the scene in legally blonde where harvard law is like why not um filmed at the (laughs) university of southern california i believe yes obviously i don't know i don't think there's really anything that where the people in the admissions office are central. Obviously, there's a lot of places where the kids want to get into college. Or Does that movie Orange County with uh, Colin Hanks? I feel like has got some admissions oh, yeah. themed things. Um, yeah. There's stuff. There's stuff that re- that, that definitely. I think more people are tapping into the uh, the idea that this is just an anxiety-producing thing, and there's drama in that. And I think the latest v- example was this Will Ferrell movie, The House, where like college is so insanely expensive that they create a casino in their house to try to raise oh, money right. to pay for college. Yes. Right. Yeah, I didn't see that, but I wanted to. A bit of an absurdist. Great take on <laughs> this very real anxiety that people are feeling but it's sort of surprising to me and as we'll get into that like the, there isn't there hasn't been a really good version of this happen yet well i think that and, and this plays into why people are so fascinated by it you know once a year as decisions come out is that people think it's like shrouded in secrecy and that you know admissions people are not relatable and all of that so it feels like an inaccessible thing when in reality there should be a reality show about an admissions office. There should be a sitcom about an admissions office because it's just a bunch of mostly young people who are really smart and motivated, who are holding the perceived futures of these 17 year olds in their hands and are sleeping on sleeping bags. <laughs> like yeah. it, it, it's a much less exciting, I would say thing than people think that it is. Um, so it just, is going to take the right like writer. I don't know. I think it would be fun and relatable to have more media about it, but it would also be so easy to get wrong that I'm glad there's not more out there. Right. So uh, the the film, I read a couple of reviews. There's some pretty great lines here. Rolling Stone uh, really didn't like it. They said admission is so slight that a breeze could flatten it. Um, wow. Yep. <laughs> And uh, A.O. Scott of the New York Times, who I believe had a daughter or son going to college at that time that this thing came out, said, how could anyone make light of the brutal, capricious system by which our young people are judged and sorted? Wow, uh, that's he, you know, harsh. Yeah, man. Then he called, I think he, you know, tongue maybe, maybe, maybe touching cheek, not quite firmly planted in, in, you know, but there in that comment a warm and wacky fable of wish fulfillment he called it uh which i felt was sort of generous um it seemed to me to have pretty much two two big ideas one was like this conceit about the the lost child that we'll get into and it maybe being her and and what it's like to be a career woman uh these days and then the other one is like what it's like in college admissions and obviously we're more interested in, in the former or rather yes. in the latter and the, in what it's like about the what the college admissions world is like because it's important when you see this when you when this stuff comes out i think obviously families are all going in there and they're thinking to themselves is it real is it real and anybody who sees any movie really uh you know and buys too much into the reality of it uh maybe should spend some more time outside the movie theater um Great. and live a little bit more of their life but um Let's. I'm. I'm curious, sort of, what you thought about some of these things uh, in the film. I'm glad to have had the opportunity to take a look at it again, which I did over the weekend. It takes place at Princeton, of course, uh, a place that uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald called the pleasantest country club in America. 
now that was in 1920. Now you have had occasion to, I'm sure, guide students who were interested in going to a place like Princeton. Is this still how you'd characterize it? I mean, I know you don't want to name names, but I mean, you know, what 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 one of the things that this school does is that unfortunately it it does take place at a real place called Princeton, but Princeton both in the film and in, in the world, I think kind of is more of a shorthand for, you know, super uber elite private places that are hard to get into. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the way that they treat Princeton and all the things that happen in like committee and everything are kind of spot on and real in a way that where people probably don't want to think it is, <laughs> but it is. I don't know that I would call it a country club, but I mean, I think we can all agree that, privilege begets privilege and there's a lot of systems in place that like make it really appealing and also make it feel inaccessible to a lot of people whether it be Princeton or any Ivy League or any elite school and um, luckily I do think that schools are more self-aware and trying to do more to make it feel less like a country club and more like an inclusive space but you don't undo a hundred years of a culture in five mm-hmm. so it's an ongoing process it's definitely an ongoing process but i do think it's all those conversations are happening on college campuses especially the elite ones um by elite i mean selective and the words are not right interchangeable so let's talk about the movie so it starts you know she's portia nathan is tina fey's character's name and she starts off and she says i am an admission officer which i always thought like what's the why what's what's with officer it always sounded like police officer to me um you know or something like is it just that you are an, an official is called an officer or something but it sounded like you you know you would never you never really referred to yourself in that way did you Oh, uh, actually, we did. I mean, the shorthand was an AO. It's so like an admissions officer. Right. Uh, but in the title, it's always like director or dean or something like that to to make it seem more legitimate to the outside world. And I feel I really like it adds. I feel like it adds a, an air of authority to the position that uh, that gets softened when in, instead you call yourself an admissions counselor. Correct. Well, some. I mean, some schools you are an admissions counselor as like an entry level position, and then becoming an admissions like dean or director or like an assistant dean or assistant director is actually a promotion. And in many ways, the actual task of counseling children becomes less and less and less of your responsibility as you move up the uh, chain of responsibility in the admissions office, right? Exactly. My frustration is more with admission versus admissions. Mm. Is it plural? Is it singular? Because you said, Tina Fey says, I am an admission officer. But then later on in the movie, she calls herself an admissions officer or she talks about admissions and I just don't understand why there's not an industry standard of admission versus admissions. Is it plural? Is it singular? Every school is different. It's the wild west. I think you've, I think you've, you've, you've hit on something that we should establish at the next uh, NACAC governance um, uh, committee <laughs> yes. meeting. Uh, so I think we can, we can probably just make sure that we get that in there. Okay. Yeah. We'll table that for now. Okay. Um, and it starts off obviously with the tour guide. Um, who is giving a speech to all of the students about basically the impossibility of admission, um, mm-hmm. which I think it's safe to say is is not standard fare for tour guides. No, I think if anything, tour guides try to ignore the fact that it's hard to get in and people are going to get denied because it would just make them sad. Um, but this tour guide, I did not, I didn't know this when I first watched the movie. So in revisiting it, it's Dan Levy from Schitt's Creek. Fantastic. Son of Eugene Levy. Mm-hmm. And I love him. And I, I do think that he plays the caricature of a tour guide perfectly. Pretty well. Um, and the the bad jokes and the don't try to impress me. I do remember when I was a tour guide in college saying, like, I, I have nothing to do with admissions. Like, I, you know, I'm really just here to give you a sense of, like, what the school is like. Because kids read into everything and think that if they're really nice to the tour guide or ask really smart questions, that it matters. And it does not. Right. Uh, you don't want, so you, you were a tour guide in college. I was. I was head tour guide in college. Okay, you were head tour guide. So you yes. didn't then, you know, walk back to, you know, the file room and, you know, take one of your coveted, you know, 10 golden tickets and slip it into the file after you met a particularly eager uh, applicant during one of your tours. I never did that. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. not a thing. No, it's not a thing. I Yeah. I thought it was pretty great who, at, at you know, at the, at the end of the tour, the, the families are all standing outside and then uh, Tina Fey walks out of the door and they all gasp as if like, oh, my God, here's a real one that can make a decision. 
she asks the yeah. question. Tina Fey asks her her name and she covers up her name tag. Uh, the, the mother that asked the question because she didn't want to be identified for having asked what could potentially be seen as a stupid question. And that's totally happens, right? Like that's a real oh, thing. Oh, absolutely. There were, and they were like embarrassed about being late and all of that. And it's like, Oh yeah. How many times, I mean, did you see, have you, you know, giving, giving info sessions, the parents just sure that their tardiness for this, for the info session is going to negatively impact their chances in admission. Yeah. But real, I mean, it doesn't happen, but I also sometimes wish parents were a little more embarrassed about asking questions and that, and like the (laughs) kids did it instead, you Mm, know, instead mm -hmm. of parents taking charge. Like I'd rather have a kid ask a question. So it's like, well, you, you really don't know. And like, it is my job to answer this question for you. Right. Whereas a parent, I'm like, I know, you know, the answer, but your kid won't ask. So you're just like, ask, I don't know. Mm-hmm. It, let your kid speak. It is a special art uh, form. The embarrassing your, your son or daughter on the campus visit. Yes. Uh, yeah. That is, a. I think that's a missed opportunity in this movie where they could have done a montage of just oh man kids burying their heads or looking away or like nudging their parents as their parents ask questions about being an alumni or a donor or something like that right i mean the parent i think the parent child dynamic in this whole in, in this movie is, is is focused only on this one little weird story that they choose to to explore uh, such a weird story and uh, could have been could have been exploited uh to to much greater effect uh in other ways but um so then we move inside the admissions office into the inner sanctum the admissions office of uh, uh, Princeton is meeting and receiving instructions from Wallachon, uh, who is just petrified and, 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 you know, mortified at the fact that Princeton has slipped from number one to number two in the rankings. <laughs> Which like, no, like they don't care. Right. Like do you th- I don't think Princeton cares or Harvard or whatever, or Columbia or Yale. Like they don't care if they're one or two or four, like they still are them. They still have that cachet. I, I don't know that anything like that has happened, but I also have never worked at an Ivy league. So who am I to say? I'd, I'd wager that there's some people that probably definitely care about that. Um, but, mm-hmm. but yeah, to the extent that it's explored in this film, probably not. Um, yeah. I would say that probably Wallace Shawn, his character in the princess bride definitely went to Princeton. What do you think? Oh, wow. Probably. Right. I think he definitely did. Right. Okay. And then the, what happens is we're, we're, we're introduced to uh, the mortal enemy of Tina Fey in the admissions office. Yes. Right. That they are one upping each other in, in competition to one day replace Wallace Shawn, who is stepping down from his role as Dean. And he indicates to both of them that he would like to hire one of them for that job. That's yeah. not really how it would work. I don't think. Yeah. And, and pitting two women together in the workplace is, um, Definitely not something that would fly these days. I don't. So this is a film, uh, you know, starring role woman, director man, book written by a woman, screenplay Mm -hmm. written by a woman. This is very much a uh, you know tale of women in the workplace and a career woman and making decisions about what to do with their life and her job. How did you feel about the, the about the way this all shook out in the film? I mean, I think it's interesting to have uh, a lot of it centered around. There are a lot of cracks around Tina Fey not being a parent. And yes, she's a very bad babysitter. Yeah, the nemesis being a mom and her not being married, but having a long-term partner and just kind of like the her wacky mom and being a single mom and not knowing who her dad was. Spoiler alert, we're going to spoil a lot of this movie. Yeah, um, okay. I don't think they treated her as well as they could have. I don't think that they, they also kind of blew over her long-term partner leaving her and she kind of just like bounced back. I mean, but it also like, if you get dumped during travel season, you still got to go to your school visits. So in some ways it was real, but we never really saw her like mourn that. She kind of just kept kissing Paul Rudd, which fair, I guess. I mean, that would help me move forward, but I don't know that they did enough focus on that of her bouncing back and like finding new goals and like, I don't know, really, it, you don't really get a sense that she actually wants the job. You don't know why she wants the job. You don't know what her other options are. Like you just kind of assume like, Oh, this man told her that he wants her 
for this potentially for this job and like obviously she wants that i think we do have the moment where you know she's she's had a breakdown you know and she's in her office and then you know wallace sean knocks on the door and she opens it she's all disheveled and stuff and and uh you know she seems to be you know very concerned that her personal life is getting in the way of of what her professional life uh requires of her and uh, a very real thing for a lot of people in the workplace but also especially in admissions the work-life balance right because Mm -hmm. so much of what you have to do uh really isn't on a nine-to-five thing yeah there's a lot outside of normal working hours that requires you to be away or that means that you're not physically present um and so it can be hard to establish like a life in the fall because you're gone all the time and then in the spring you're working a lot of evenings and weekends and stuff during conversion. So yeah, you're not really, you're kind of a slave, not a slave. That's a harsh term, but you're working in a non-traditional way. Yes. Um, And so she starts to read applications, hilarious paper files. I mean, it's really Mm -hmm. probably hard to, uh, you know, for dramatic effect to, to show people reading applications on a computer. But, right. um, you know, I thought this was a pretty perfect representation of uh, of the way that people feel about this uh, when they're reading files, the way that the, the, the students all kind of show up as real people, the kinds of things that they're <laughs> all looking at. The girl doing, you know, the back bends across her desk while she rattles off her resume, I thought was pretty spectacular. Yeah, I thought it was spot on. Like, and her reading through each of the accomplishments, but also like recognizing the privilege that certain kids are coming from and that helps them with certain things on their resume and the kid, like I think if kids could come and sit in front of us and beg the way these students are, they absolutely would. Um, And I always disliked it when there were pictures on transcripts because it it made it harder (laughs) to like have fewer feelings about the students. Right. Right. Um, It's like, you know, you don't want to see a picture of the cow that became your burger, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I want it to be removed. But I think that the comments, you know, both in this scene and then later on when they're doing the committee review around the table, I think the way that they talk about the students uh, was actually pretty accurate. I don't think they, 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 they pushed that too far for dramatic effects so that if people wanted to get a sense of what are college admissions counselors thinking about and talking about as they read a file, this is pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was actually really good. And I, I when I read the book, so I read the book and it was in 2009, so I wasn't an admissions person. And then when I saw the movie, I was like, wow, this is actually really right. And also with like the second reader, of course, her nemesis is also doing the second reads and just kind of that like bargaining, like, do we have each other's back? Are we going to question each other? Do we support each other? I mean, I never had anything like that. I always found my colleagues to be really supportive. And if anything, it was kind of like Sam, like, do you really think this student is going to be successful? Or did you, were you really impressed by that essay? Unless like you're an idiot and don't know what you're doing. Right. Um, but I, I, aside from the, the paper, the bright orange files, Classic. Um, you know, I think that everything that they talked about, and especially in committee when they're, you know, debating things and you're trying to convince people because you're all competing for those same spots, essentially for your kids. Um, I thought it was all pretty accurate. Um, and then uh, she goes and she visits a Deerfield Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, she does have a special parking spot. Of course, which I think every admissions officer has posted that on Facebook when they get it. If right. they have a spot for you, that is amazing. That is Just also going to park. only really happen at places like Deerfield. Correct. Well, yeah. I had some in public schools. It was really nice. I guess it depends on the uh, yeah depends depends on the uh, square footage of the. Yeah. yeah. And if there's like a full-time college counselor, even. did you, yeah. before you went out and, and did your, gave your sessions to students, did you go into the bathroom and, and do psych up exercises and like, you know, uh, vocal exercises? Uh, no, I did not. I never did a vocal warm up. I don't know what vocal warm ups really are other than recognizing them when I see them. Mm-hmm. Um, I mostly just sat in my car for hours cause I would be early and then carried a lot of paper into that school your car is sort of your office yeah your car is your your car is your safe space it's your office it's your hammock it's your garbage can yes it's your cafeteria it's yeah it's your cafeteria it really it's where you answer emails it's where you watch shows it's where you have phone calls it's i mean it really is 
your sanctuary. And then um, she tells the secret to, to, to the students to get out all their, their pens and write down the secret formula to getting in. And boy, are they excited. They cannot wait to hear it. And then she just tells them there is no secret to getting in. Yeah. And it shatters their world. Right. They really thought they were going to get something special. That's probably the most fictitious part is that they actually thought that they were going to get a real answer out of her. I don't know. I feel like kids would fall for that these days. If yeah. it was like, look, you seem like a good group. I got my own parking spot. I'm having a day. I'm just going to tell you what it takes. They'd be like, oh, my God, she's going to tell me. She did use the word passion, right, to say mm -hmm. that like, kids need to have this uh, passion. Now, in my uh, capacity as a college counselor who has the opportunity to read a lot of the writing that students do before they turn into colleges, um, I have banned that word from their writing. <laughs> I will not allow them to use that word. Uh, I think it's a word that has lost all of its meaning. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that they need to find any number of words that exist in the English language to say the same thing. But it is a one of those like top five, like constantly like on the let's retire this word list every year. I want to ban the phrase and I fell in love with it. Hmm. I visited the campus and I fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. I took my first psych class and I fell in love with it. I did this and I fell in love well, with it. was a big and reason I, I call it the crush, right? Because they get, they get this is sort of a weird infatuation with the, with the school and it is like that. Yeah. But it's even like, you know, kids are like, I, uh, they, they, they use that phrase as if to just convey, like I had strong feelings or I'm really interested in it or whatever. And it, again, it's lost its meaning. Right, right, like, right you've fallen in love with a million things every day. That doesn't mean you're going to dedicate your life to them, which is fair. So then uh, switch it up, goes out to uh, Paul Rudd school, which uh, is just apparently right next door to Deerfield Academy um, in Key, New Hampshire. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, he's chopping wood. There are horses there. Um, As heads of schools do. Right. I mean, is this a common thing? I mean, when you went to visit school, like you came up on scenes such as this? I mean, I definitely identify with her GPS saying, redirecting, that recalculating, was... recalculating, make a U-turn. It's like, I'm off the grid, but like, you're not off the grid. There are streets and there are signs. And this was, I mean, I was on the road before your phone had Google Maps and stuff. Yeah. So it was like a separate GPS. And Well, I had actually, I remember actually printing the, the, the directions out of Google Maps or, or, yeah, or yeah. even like MapQuest. I mean, right. It's real. And, uh, I would yeah. print those as a backup in case like my GPS lost signal. Mm -hmm. um, so I do think there are schools that are like out there that are going to take, you know, two hours out of your day to get there and back. And like, is it worth it to visit? Which, and she only added that because she was trying to one up her nemesis and saying, well, I'm adding a new school. And I mean, I definitely think it's worth a shot. I never encountered, first of all, I never had a head of school call me on my cell phone, mm -hmm. let alone call me on my cell phone what will do it multiple times and then probably invite you to dinner right yeah no never went to dinner with anybody that i was professionally affiliated with in that role bit of an overstep of boundaries like, for sure yeah unless it was a whack -ack or knack -ack or something or like they had there was a specific event that they were hosting right um but i did like that she wouldn't let him pay <laughs> so he was like oh princeton's gonna buy me a beer like that that is realistic I miss that. Um, I miss being able to do that. Um, yeah, right. It's a special um, kind of power. But I do think like the school that like looks like a farm and I've seen deer at school visits. And so that's not totally off. But like the head of school being there and like helping a cow give birth. Yes. Um, a little much. Probably the best part is that he is not, he's like a teacher. He's also a school director. And apparently there is no college counselor at this school, right. which seems quite odd. And he doesn't seem to know anything about anything other than this one kid is a good fit for Princeton and maybe isn't even really helping any of his other students with college. Well, and those students are so savvy about the process. Well, Who they're different. They're us, those students, yeah. those sassy brainiacs. Yeah. But like who, who taught them authority. about all those things? You know, it wasn't Paul Rudd for sure. No. Well, yeah. I don't who know. Knows? Their parents. And the sixth grader being at the visit is also kind of funny. Like, well, I just thought it'd be helpful. Yeah. And this I, one I eager that. little chap sitting over here in the corner, is it? Yeah, that definitely happened. I also identified quite a bit with your, um, my, you know, her admissions pitch totally f not landing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you're not going to always get the, the, the eager ones that are there taking notes in a packed house. Sometimes you get them, they, they, nobody shows up. Um, yeah. And of the ones that do show up, it's you're kind of wondering why they're there. Maybe it's just to get out of class they don't want to be in. 
Yes. I think like the montage was great because in some ways she was like in an outdoor space in a library and whatever, but they kind of missed the, where you're in a classroom of kids who don't want you to be there and have to be there and are like texting each other. Right. Uh, So at least those kids were like paying attention. They just were contrary. So uh, I'm going to flash forward a little bit here. Yeah. Uh, but of course, you know, at the dinner with Paul Rudd, he it, it comes out that he has, you know, white saviored this young African child, which I thought yes. was unfortunate. Um, yeah. There's this faculty party, right, where the, the Brits look down their nose at uh, the American admissions system, which I think is mm-hmm. also not totally uh, outlandish. Um, no. Eventually, the thing is that she goes back and forth to Key, New Hampshire, uh, with a, a, an ease that I don't think is realistic because it's uh, about a five and a half hour drive away from Princeton, New Jersey. So we did have to suspend drive. our disbelief a little bit there. I think that's the West Coast, just assuming all the East Coast places are very close together. Easy to get to. Yeah, yeah. That's right. what we believe about the East Coast anyway. So she reviews the kid's transcript eventually, um, yes. which yeah. I thought, you know, was interesting that this is like a solid week or so into this whole charade before she actually see, look, takes, you know, agrees to take a look at or asks to take a look at her, maybe her son's transcript because yeah. Paul Rudd just thinks that Princeton is a great fit. Right. Um, which is all it takes. Right. Is your counselor saying it's a good fit? And she says uh, he won't be competitive against kids, you know, that have res- resumes 15 miles long. And he says, who cares? Those kids are so burnt out. All they'll want to do is get stoned and play Frisbee for the rest of their lives. Um, <laughs> that may be what they want to do, but I sort of don't think that's what happens with Princeton grads. Uh, I think they tend to be pretty successful. Right. I mean, it depends on the kid, but, you know, there's a track record. Maybe there. they get stoned, play Frisbee, and are, you know, investment bankers that are very successful. Exactly. I think. Yeah. They have it all. Um, also, yeah, I mean, he's, he's really not, I mean, he's really gunning for Princeton for this kid, like no other college. Right. As if no other school could be right for him. There's right. only one, which he, is the whole thing we fight against. He's admittedly a very interesting kid. Um, the moms, uh, like they, 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 they meet, everybody meets at Nelson's like insane birthday party, which is massive. And he mm-hmm. puts, doesn't he put, uh, uh, a ventriloquy show on. And of course it is not just a normal, uh, dummy it is a Rene Descartes uh, dummy and I'm like you know, and everybody hates it yeah read, and it's all philosophy jokes read the room kid yeah that except is... the Princeton professor that's there who eats it up right okay and that's up, uh, not a thing not a thing no yeah. we don't lure faculty to parties like that eventually he gets to the alumni interview uh, how do you feel about this uh, I liked it i mean i think like being late obviously is not good um he didn't have his shirt tucked in i mean is that a, is that a big problem shirt. no i don't that's really not something that we talk to our kids about when we prep them for interviews mm-hmm. uh and it but like i do think there's always the conversation i'm sure you guys have it too about like the value of alumni interviews and is it an appropriate power dynamic and is it comfortable? Like my kids will come to me and say, yeah, I'm going to this person's office to interview. And I'm like, that's intimidating. I would be intimidated going to like Hulu or an investment bank or something for an interview as a kid. And I'm like, where are you going to park? How are you getting there? Like, you know, I think that imbalance of power, perceived power is scary. Sure. Um, But I also like, you just never know what you're going to get. And I think the movie makes it seem like the alumni interviews have a much bigger role than they actually do, which is probably my biggest issue with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think my, one of my favorite things that I remember seeing on campus was like in, so in Rochester, New York, it would be quite hot and humid during the summer and they'd go on the tour mm-hmm. and then they'd come back and do the interview at the end of the tour. And there was this one poor young man who was dripping with sweat, you know, changing into a full blown business suit, right. Getting ready for oh. the, for the interview. Uh, and that is, I think the biggest thing that a uh, big misconception, I think that a lot of parents think is it's like, this is the same as like a job interview, you know, you got a professional right. and I say, yeah. look, you're going to spend more time in your pajamas in college than you are in a suit. So maybe mm-hmm. go for something in between. Yeah. Don't maybe like be comfortable, but also be appropriate. Right. I remember I heard uh, one line from a colleague that said, you shouldn't be better dressed than me. Yeah, that's good. I don't know. I just think they're so hyped up and they tend to be like, 30 to maybe 60 minutes, Mm -hmm. they're not deciding your future. So then we get to the committee process. There are eight people around the table. Uh, That is not a representative size, I think, for a school like that to have that many people around the table. There's probably going to be more than that. But how do you feel about this? 
Uh, I mean, again, I thought it was like really spot on. Like you present your kid, you're kind of trying to sell them. There are no trap doors though. No, there are no trap doors. You don't banish anybody okay. to the... You know, one of the things that that was struck that was struck by here was was that the pitch really seemed to matter. And I should say mm-hmm. that not every school does an admission does a process like this where everybody's sitting around a table talking about everybody. Otherwise, it would take nine thousand years to to complete your process. But in yeah. the event that you do get to this point, you know, there's this one point Wallace Shawn says, "Come on, make us fall in love," you know, and it's kind mm-hmm. of like I mean, it, I, I empathize with wanting to be entertained during you know the hours long marathon that is the committee application review process. But you know, does the, the you have to like sell it uh, to your colleagues and do they all take a vote and it's all that's the only thing that matters and that's how the kid gets in. Yeah, I mean, I think there's more reality to that than you would want. I mean, it is like I just liked how she was kind of looking at I forget her colleague's name that came in at the very beginning, the bearded guy. Um, and she kind of like winked at him as she voted for his kid and kind of expected him to vote for her kid. Like, mm-hmm. Kind of that, like I had your back. Like, can you have mine? It's a little time, like the uh, like the NBA draft, kind of, right? I would not know about that at all. A sports sporting <laughs> event whereby teams are selected. Sports, sports, sports. Okay, yeah. Anyways, just say yes. Um, <laughs> yes, it's exactly like that. So uh, he had a one point five GPA. She says we have right. to make room for these kids. Princeton doesn't make a lot of room for these kids. Schools like that don't make a lot of room for these kids. You know, he had no. this whole story of like extenuating circumstances and this, that, and the other, you know? Um, and so, but at the end of the day, like this, I feel like is not that off the rails where you fall in love with kids, whether they're maybe your own biological child or not. Um, and you, you don't care if they have 1.5 GPA and you want them to come in. So you sit there and you pitch, you make the pitch, you try to try to get them in. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Right. Yeah. And I think like the whole thing about the undiscovered gem or like people are looking for these like dark horses to come out of unexpected places. But at the same time, like, a kid with a 1.5 is is inadmissible by any other standard. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. It's weighing that. But he got like, eight APs versus. and got fives on all of them and didn't even take the didn't even take class. I mean, and he has like he's an almost perfect SAT scores. He's an autodidact. Yeah, yeah. self described. He's an uh, auto auto whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it, I think like I mean I I feel like I've had those fights whether actually in person or more just like in my note taking and stuff of like trying to sell it but also like feeling like I just needed to give the kid my best knowing that it probably wouldn't work out in the end but at least I know that like I advocated but if that. you really 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 wanted to go to the mat for somebody could you and what and could that make a real difference in their outcome I mean you can definitely go to the mat for someone but you're still at the mercy of like how many spaces are actually available and and all those institutional priorities and things. Yeah. How many kids have a 4.5 and a 1600. So speaking of space availability, she then just, just, you know, is, is just about at rock bottom, Sam. She is Mm -hmm. just, the kid didn't, he didn't get in. (laughs) Okay. He was voted down. Um, And then, and then she gets a phone call from someone at the Hotchkiss school, which is a a real place. Yeah. Uh, it is. And the uh, saying that this one kid who is, is definitely going to go to Yale and not Princeton. Mm-hmm. And so she's thinking, hey, maybe this opens up a spot for my kid. Is that com- yeah. is that common? Does that happen? Uh, no, no. I mean, I think, first of all, I wonder why the counselor called. Like, why did the counselor call her to tell her that? I would think that he was saying, please admit a different Hotchkiss kid instead of this kid. He was not intending to lose an admit to Princeton. I think that they, I think they would have, I think they, they, they could have been a bit more collegial because those, you know, obviously my guess is the Hotchkiss person probably knows their Princeton person pretty well. And, you know, that's, that's part of the thing that happens. Like you've got, you know, admissions yeah. counselors at colleges that, you know, really well, she's been, yeah, she's, she's very sort like of pro forma on in her conversation with them. Yeah. It was a little like, it, and he just seemed like he was doing something sketchy when like, it would be normal to like call someone and update them or have a conversation with them, especially if I have their cell phone number, um, to do that. But it's definitely not like a one for one swap. Yes. Uh, and like it's not an Excel spreadsheet on a desktop. Even back in oh my god, she got she doctored it. She moved the yeah, X. and she switched the stickers. The stickers, she switched the stickers. Yes. That's how they're managing their process: is stickers on files. Yes. 
But um, I also wonder, like, if I would have had the permissions to change those decisions in the systems, like, would people have actually noticed? No. I mean, if if the if the Hotchkiss denied Hotchkiss kids alumni parents didn't call, like, would they have even noticed? No. I don't think so. No, they wouldn't have. Um, but one of the things that was extremely uh, sort of triggering uh, that I recall uh, is taking all the phone calls from very angry people. And I thought that was actually yeah. kind of a cool idea where they put the whiteboard of like good comments and bad comments. I and I think that. the last one that she wrote was that somebody said that I hope you get rectal cancer. I never got anything quite like that, but no, um, I could see that, that, that being mo- not quite that. Yeah. Just cancer <laughs> in general. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just like ill will. terminal illness. Yeah. Extreme ill will toward me. <laughs> That's very common. I mean, uh, everybody taking these calls on their cell phones, by the way, was pretty silly, but otherwise um, very common. Uh, occurrence yes yeah and the alumni saying well i'm never donating again and it's like okay and then things fall i'm an admissions officer like i don't (laughs) and then things fall apart for her don't they sam they fall apart apart. uh and then uh she decides to come clean and in the course of her own interview huh Mm -hmm. get it and she admits things about what she has done admission okay yeah uh and i believe although i don't believe it's very i don't think it's terribly explicit that she's going for a job as a school counselor it seems well it seems like that or like at a non-profit okay like pbo i kept thinking to myself school counselor that would have been a little bit more accurate because that seems to be the way people go they go from like you they go from a college admissions office to a school counseling gig yeah yeah, but I think that's what it was. She wanted to help kids on their journeys and sort of be the arbiters of mm-hmm. in or out, which was kind of what made me switch too. Is Same. It, it's hard saying no all the time and right. fielding calls and everything. And then she's uh, she's she's back at the plays. She's back with Paul Rudd. She's back with Lily Tomlin. She sees the mailman mm-hmm. come to deliver the results about whether uh, her actual adopted uh, a child that she gave up for adoption wants to visit with her. She looks at it. She says it's a thin envelope. Again, bad news bears. Get it? That's because I get it. she knows I got, what you know. What, yeah. what a nod. Um, what a knowing nod. Turns out the the kid does is not ready to meet with her. Uh, and uh, Paul Rudd said, hey, so you're on the wait list. And she and it's as if he was sort of speaking her language. You know, he gets her she knew exactly he gets what he meant by that. And it was yeah. OK because she'd helped counsel probably a lot of families through what it's like to be on the wait list. Right. It's true. I mean, really, it's an allegory for life. It really is. I mean, and at the end, I mean, she says, what's the secret to getting in? I can't tell you. You're going to have to find out for yourself i mean put that on a mug put it on a t-shirt okay who needs to recruit you just say that yep i mean that's a new marketing campaign uh i mean boy even though that is the very end of the film the last line um it is a line i feel like a lot of people will use on the road they'll use it admissions panels they use it school visits all this stuff like be yourself there is no secret do your own thing you know and it's uh and it's probably one of the most frustrating truisms about this whole thing right it is i wish there was an answer how do you counsel kids when you i mean do when you do that like how do you make that any more specific you know when when your your goal when you're talking to kids really is just be yourself Mm-hmm. How do you help them be that self? I think that's the hardest part of like, and I, I don't know if you find this too, but when you're reading essays and when you're talking to them, like some of them don't know who they are yet. Yes. Like they're I know just a lot of adults not, like that. Yeah. They're just not there yet. And so you saying be yourself, be authentic, like that doesn't help them. They don't know what that is. And you read an essay and it's like, this is, this is the best you're going to do with where you're at now. And like, I know that it's probably not going to stand out, but that's okay because to some schools, it's going to be perfect for them. Like they don't expect the same things or they really want to hear about how much you love reselling sneakers, Um, you know, and for other places it's not. So I tell them every school is looking for something different. You never really know what it is. Institutional priorities are different. People's biases are different. Like you just need to know that someone's reading it and they're going to have an opinion on it. And that's all you can really do. But I think there's some kids that, you know, where you know you can push them a little bit more and say, like, you really have to reflect. You have to dig a little bit deeper. Like, this doesn't sound like you. And for some kids, they don't really know what they sound like yet. And so you can't push them past where they are. Right. 
Does this? Do you feel like this? Does this movie still have currency in your world? I mean, do people bring it up? Do people talk about it or anything? Like, not anymore. Like, I remember when I got my first job as an admissions officer, and I would say that to people or meet pe- like random people out there. They'd be like, "Oh, like the movie," and I'd be like, "Yeah, I make out with Paul Rudd every fall." <laughs> um, not really like understanding how much it really did kind of like translate to what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the whole like kid thing really threw off the admissions plot but um no i don't think people talk about it anymore i think it has passed its prime but we're bringing it back that's right i mean i think this is we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get it from 18 million up to you know 18 million and uh three and 99 cents with uh at least my uh rental uh, on amazon i Um, bought it Oh, you did? Oh, well, For good. four bucks Okay. Maybe yes. five bucks. Shit, well, I rented it. I could have, I should have just bought it probably, huh? I mean, um, I don't think you need it. Don't you? I mean, this is, you know, the thing I think about this movie is that there's enough drama about real admission and the lives and all this stuff that you didn't need that f- weird plot device with the kid and everything. Like, the, the kid shouldn't thing have been. Weird. So there was this, I, there was an article in the Atlantic that somebody wrote about this and they, they, they put at the very end, uh, what they're, they thought, how they thought this movie could have worked better. Let's, this is how it goes in this alternate reality. The admissions Dean instructs his staff to start going after green haired kids initiate, which is a shorthand for different kinds of kids initiating a mad scramble to find the most out of the back, out of the box students imaginable conscientious employee that she is Portia follows orders and seeks out an unconventional high school where she finds Jeremiah. Initially he's compelled. She's compelled to recruit him for cynical reasons. He so obviously fits the image of the student her boss wants, but soon she realizes what a great kid he is and becomes genuinely invested in him and his admissions to the universe and admission to the university resolving to battle her colleagues, petty objections at any cost. And she falls in love with his teacher and she makes peace with her mother, etc. Along the way, the movie gets to examine the recent evolution of elite college admissions, offering an inside look at what happens when radicals invade the country club. Wouldn't that have been uh, so a better are movie? Gonna, are we going to write that movie? I think we're going to write that movie. Okay. Because yeah. that's, I love that. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, there's there's a lot of different ways you could write a movie like that. There's so much to, so much to tell. Like, is there a scene that really happened in your world as an admissions counselor that you th- think belongs in a movie? Oh my gosh! I just feel like at college fairs, there's so many great things that could be done with. You a could do just a 90-minute film about a college fair. A 90-minute college fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like a 30-minute meal before, and then the college fair, and then the parents like walking out with you to your car, and you're like, "It's over. I'm gone." Did you have a Did you have <laughs> a heel left. break? Did you have a a, a wheel break oh. on your little rolly case? Uh, yeah, you forget it, the uh, you forget the banner. You're sitting there with the nothing. Banner, you're at the wrong. You're at the middle school campus. You get the time the wrong. You're an hour school. late. Yeah, I mean, even just like parents waiting in line. Like I think about these parents. I'll show up in scrubs, and I'm like, "You came from surgery, and I'm 24, <laughs> and you're waiting to talk to me." Mm-hmm. So, who's really the powerful one here? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, and and also just like all the admissions people that like know each other, and it's like you can have the in click and the out click and the regional click and the uh, alumni and stuff like that. We really could have a movie just called College Fair, and it could be like the admissions people is the A plot, but like there's a B plot of like the high school kids, and there's like drama going on at the with them too. But mm-hmm. it's all happening like in the college fair because they have so to be. I've there. gone to the college fair adjacent to the first robotics competition. Oh my god! And I feel like there, boy, there's a pretty good A plot, B plot, right? That is intense. Yeah, I see. Like, you know, whoever the Vince Vaughn of right now is, being like the coach of the robotics team or something, you know? Yeah, it's like dodgeball but robotics. Yes, with college admissions tossed in. I mean, this is this is like okay. I think maybe you need to get a group of students together to workshop this. Okay. Mm-hmm. What would you we have guys- a screenwriting class at Milken, so well, maybe I'm gonna pitch that. Okay. I think that's a that's a good follow up uh, to this episode down the road. Let's see if they come yeah. up with it. I hope so. Part of the thing, and I think this is a you know a a a, a, a disclaimer or a, or a caveat that I always need to make is that we are very much talking about uh, you know a fantasy world, not just in that this is a realm, this is a, a a movie about college admissions, but this is also a a realm of college admissions and a uh, kind of school and a kind of a process that really only represents a very, very small sliver 
of the reality that students actually experience when they apply to college. The overwhelming majority mm -hmm. of students don't even have to write an essay when they apply to college. Um, and so this is, uh, this is a big part of my problem with the whole thing, is that this is our one kind of okay movie that we have about admissions, and it's all about Princeton. And so that can't help but filter through, you know, uh, and down to everybody thinking that this is what all college admissions is like. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, again, all of the media that's out there is about how hard it is to get into college. And that's not the case at so many wonderful schools. There are so many great schools that welcome you with open arms and it's accessible and kids go and they have a great time and they're very successful afterward. So this one narrative that the media picks to follow and run with, I think adds to that just like panic and of people thinking it's soul crushing when like it does not have to be. Well, and I think about my wife's uh, employer, Baruch uh, College, uh, part of oh. the City University of New York system, uh, yeah. which is routinely ranked at or near the top of CollegeNet's uh, social mobility index for taking students from one economic class, socioeconomic class, and moving them up to the next. And yeah. uh, I think that, you know, we... CUNY, by the way, one application, essay optional, you can get, you can apply to six schools uh, with the one application and it's a piece of cake, it's a breeze. And then, hey, let's say you get into a place like Baruch or, or any number of the other ones and uh, you may have well uh, struck the lottery, right? As you maneuver your way through an, a learning environment like that, that then takes you up yeah. to a, a new socioeconomic class. And there really isn't a, a similar kind of, uh, of mission, I would say, at work at a place like Princeton or places like it. Yeah, I think I think they're getting better about it and they know it and it's and they're yeah. you know, there's a lot to it. Uh, they're taking fewer legacy admits, all of them, I think, than they than they have historically. But um, again, it's just it's an over it's a it's a pretty absurd uh, over representation of these kinds of places, uh, no matter where you look. I agree. And like you mentioned SUNY and CUNY, it's kind of like UC and Cal State, like everyone's heard of two UCs and but our like local Cal States, Cal State Northridge has an excellent real estate program, has a business program, has residence life, has Greek life, has everything that our kids say they want. And so many of our parents went there and have built extremely successful lives for themselves. And yet people overlook it all the time. So I just think it's such a waste to only focus on the Princetons and the Pomonas and the USC's of the world when they could be getting excited about places that, you know, want them very badly. Right. Well, that's what we're, that's the, that's the work that we're committed to doing. That's the work we'll keep mm -hmm. doing. Um, thank you, Sam, for uh, the recommendation that we not only watch the movie again, but then come on here, talk about it, record it and, uh, and help other people um, remember that it exists and that they should yeah. watch it and only regard the things as true that we both told them they should regard as yes, true. They should lit, watch it, but only listen to what we say is good about it. <laughs> yeah. If yeah. only we, we, oh man, well, next time we'll just do it as a DVD commentary. Okay. <sighs> so that they can just put it on like as it's, we'll see. I well, mean, this is going to be a big, this is going to be a big hit and they're going to want more. So we'll just go back and we'll do it again. We can just sell it at NACAC, like our own DVD commentary. At Smart. NACAC. Smart. It'll, the proceeds will go to the Imagine Fund. Don't worry. But, um, you know, or, really get it out there. Or, and the, then, or the lobbying effort to standardize admission or admissions. That would be great. Oh, my new cause. Okay. If I ever run for office for WACAC or NACAC, it'll be under that platform, standardized. If I was, in, I'd vote for you. I'll, I will. Thank you. I'll run, you your, I'll run your campaign. <laughs> I can't wait for that. Well, as you were, Sam, back to work uh, on this Monday out there in sunny L.A. Thanks a million, and um, we'll be talking. Yeah, thank you. Bye, Sam. Bye. Thanks to Sam. Uh, epic patience as I, as I put this out. Thanks, thanks very much. Um, of course, she and I will be doing this all over again when the Lifetime film comes out titled The College Admission Scandal. Of course, about Operation Varsity Blues. It looks so good and horrible. Well, I feel like everyone in admissions has so many stories, so many bizarro experiences on the road and with students and families and stuff that uh, everyone has an idea for a better admissions movie. I've heard uh, of people having pretty great ideas for a musical, a TV show. 
I do have a couple of admission stories, but none will, will for me, will beat the time that I had some time to kill in Chappaqua, New York, and casually drove up to uh, Hillary Clinton's house during the presidential election a few years ago, uh, you know, just to see the place, I don't know. And I did so in a car that actually smelled uh, really strongly of marijuana. It wasn't mine, it wasn't mine. Uh, while this story is stupid, it is not that stupid, come on now. See, I had rented a zip car for the day, which the user before me had apparently wiped every inch of with their marijuana, and I'd been driving around with the windows down all day, and I guess I just kind of forgot about it. Um, I also was not expecting to be immediately pulled over and questioned by a massive security detail. Contact high, maybe? Contributing to my uh, stupidity? Who can say? Who can say? So after running my name through various, you know, IRA watch lists and, and coming up empty, they let me go. Further convinced uh, by the pile of Rochester brochures on my back seat and the uh, record of the complaint, I filed with Zipcar that morning that I was not a threat nor a lawbreaker, but in fact just a real big admissions idiot. They uh, definitely had a good chuckle over that one when I finally made it to Horace Greeley High School. Um, turns out uh, she was actually preparing for the second presidential debate. So Bill was probably in there and everything. Good times. Good times. Almost ended up in a CIA dark site. Good times. You guys must have some fun stories from the road too, yeah? So share them with the world on Twitter, at CrushPod. I'm going to pin the tweet for this episode to the top of the page uh, for people to comment with their fun stories from the road. I hope you'll do it. Speaking of the road, I'm just about to hit it uh, myself to attend the NACAT conference, and uh, I look forward to seeing many of you there, and I'll be doing an interview per use, which I'll then wait the uh, customary four to six months to release. Just kidding. Hopefully, hopefully a lot sooner than that. Anyways, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Spread love.